From BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan, with your host, Shane Frederick. This is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan. I'm Shane Frederick, I'm the host, and joining me today is Minnesota State Junior Forward, Sam Morton. How you doing today, Sam? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great. Uh, great to have you here. Um, great to meet you today. I, as I was telling you earlier, uh, um, know about half the players on the roster and, and meet some just coming in in the podcast. So it's pretty good to uh, uh, get to know everybody. Congratulations on a, on a great weekend for the Mavericks uh, sweeping St. Thomas in the first round of the CCHA playoffs. You had a big weekend, uh, I think three goals, two assists. Um what uh, what was that weekend like for you guys? I know it was a little bit, uh, probably a little too close for comfort on Friday with a 3-2 win, and then uh, um, Saturday kind of one going away 8-2. to two. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we got a few guys in the lineup who haven't had any playoff experience, at least at the college level. So I think a lot of guys were, or a few of our guys were just getting their toes wet and um, kind of just gaining some experience. So I think on Saturday we got a little more comfortable and uh, definitely played better hockey on Saturday than Friday. What's that like? I mean, you know, there's probably a little bit of human nature. Uh, you guys won the league. Uh, you're in first place. You had a lot of uh, pretty one-sided games against St. Thomas, although if you had kind of looked at their schedule over the last month of the season, um, they definitely started playing teams a lot closer, but being a first-year Division One team, human nature kind of said, you know, um, you know, if there were if people were putting – uh, making predictions. I don't think uh, a lot of people would pick St. Thomas, but uh, there you were in a, in a close game Friday, um, you know, down one, nothing down two one, having to come back in the third period, which you haven't had to do a lot this season against anybody. Um, what, what was that like uh, for you guys? Any, any nerves there? Yeah. I mean, the past few games, even before playoffs, I think we went down a goal. So not that that's ever a bad thing, but we were pretty calm through it all just cause we'd been there before. Um, so yeah, you, like you said, it's human nature, maybe to be a little overconfident going into a game like that. Um, but I think that was something that we had brought up before the, the weekend started. And so it was something on our mind of let's not be fat and happy right now. Like let's be ready to go because that's a clean slate going into playoffs. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have to bring our best regardless of who we're playing. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously Anytime you get in a situation where you're uh, you're taking penalties and you got to put the kill out there and um, strange things happen. I know uh, a guy loses his stick, things like that. It can, you know, five on three. I can be, you know, suddenly hockey's a sport where that momentum can change pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just talking about this with Coach Hastings and uh, just a little meeting and he's talking about we got to be able to handle adversity, handle it, manage it and overcome that kind of thing. And that's something that experienced teams do and take definitely takes some maturity um, to be able to handle the adversity, but uh, it's something you got that you need to be able to do to win hockey games at the next level and important games. It's probably good, right? I mean, if you're, I mean, if you do everything perfectly um, that's great and everything, but to have that little bit of pressure on you and see how you respond to it uh, can't really hurt. I think at this time of the year, can it? No, it's like things are going to happen, right? Not everything's going to go your way. So being able to stay calm and stay positive, I guess, and handle it to the best of our abilities is a skill that you almost need to practice, right? So Yeah, and that's a hard thing to practice, to right. add, add adversity to the mix yeah. and make it mean something. I mean, exactly. you can always, 
uh, do strange things in practice, I'm sure, or practice your uh, five-on-three penalty kill or something like that. But, you know, where there's, you know, the stakes aren't really the same as, right. uh, as when it's in a game. Right. No, we talked about just even just being tired, battling through adversity of being tired is something that you can implement into practice and just in little ways, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, how hard you want to go, and I'm sure there's a, I'm sure that's a balance for the coaches this time of year. How much do you want to put uh, uh, your team's fatigue or um, you know beat up bodies, things like that? I mean, uh, I don't, I wonder how many guys are actually 100 percent this time of year, just because it is a grind of a season. And and uh, you guys have had some uh, tough games. I mean, uh, last weekend with I, I had or last week's podcast I had. Um, uh, Nathan Smith, Julian Napravnik, and uh, Cade Borchard on, and we were talking about the Michigan Tech series, and they talk about those boards <laughs> up in Houghton and how hard those boards are and how stiff and uh, they are. They don't they don't have a lot of give to them, so you come out of that uh, with two wins, feeling good, but also probably a little, you know, a little sore. Yeah, I don't think any teams has everyone at 100. percent There's definitely some banged up bodies on our team, but got to battle through it at this time of the year. You know what I mean? So. Right. It's not much you can do about it other than take care of your body away from the rink and show up ready to go. Let me ask you just about this season in general overall for you, how, how it's gone, um, your comfort level um, coming into uh, this season. And uh, last year you were you were new. Uh, you came in as a transfer. Um, and, and we can get to that in a second. But just like th- the way this season has gone for you, is, is it just – is there a comfort level that maybe wasn't there at the beginning of last year or that, that kind of had to feel your way into? I want to say yes, but <clears throat> at the same time, you don't want to get too comfortable. Yeah. So yeah, I do feel like, especially with the group, I mean, everyone was really welcoming last year, but this year, like maybe taking on a little bit more leadership and helping other guys when they don't know what to do, whether that's in practice or how to handle situations in games. So just doing what you can to help the guys who have less experience. So I don't know if I would say comfort, but maybe just experience with what the expectations are and mm-hmm. what our culture is. Sure. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and and getting, getting to last year, I have to ask you at one point, I mean, I, you, so uh, just to let everybody know that uh, uh, Sam uh, transferred to Minnesota State uh, from Union, right? And where you, where you started and played a year and a half, went back to junior hockey and then, then came here. Yep. Um, and I know there was some question about when you'd be eligible, but I think COVID kind of changed things or the, the late start of the season, you ended up being able to play right away last year. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think I missed the first six. Okay. Um, and I remember coach Hastings called me up to his office and he's like, Hey, um, we just got word that you can be eligible because of some COVID rule. I don't know. Everything was crazy last year. Right. <laughs> um, but he's like, is that something you're interested in? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Right. More sooner I can play the better. I'd wait rather play games than redshirt a full year. So no, yeah, that was super exciting. I, I was really excited for that. And, uh, and so just, so and yeah, you came in and obviously, uh, um, played quite a bit and then had a, had a big impact, had a big impact at the, at the end of the year and in, in the regional, I think a lot has been made about the, uh, about your line with, uh, Ryan Sandlin and, uh, Brendan Furry, right. The yep. you guys getting put together in that uh, Quinnipiac game and, uh, having some success. And it seems like every time uh, you get put back together, you, you guys get excited again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we definitely have some confidence within each other that we built off of last year and, um, we had some success earlier this year. So I think we're really, like you were talking about, like we're pretty comfortable playing with each other, just mm-hmm. about predictability and kind of having something to prove mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, 
definitely two fun guys to play with. Yeah. And I know there's some mixing and matching too, right? Because you can play in the middle and, and furry plays in the middle. And, and uh, so you've kind of gone back and forth a little bit, haven't you? Yeah. So I know we've had a couple, like Nathan Smith left for the U S so we needed someone to fill in as a center. So mm-hmm. I switched over to center and then uh, whenever we have injuries or something like that, sometimes I'll jump in the middle, but for the most part of this year, I think I've played on the left with Furry yeah. and Sandy. Do you have a preference? Center's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> if you would have asked me that going into last year, I'd say I'd rather play center. But right now, I think I'd ra- I'd say I'd rather play wing. Yeah. And I'm I'm really open to either one. Your role's a little bit different, but it's really on, only in the D zone. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in the D zone, you're kind of responsible for more areas of the ice as a center versus as a wing. You're kind of just have your half of the ice. Right. Um, so it's a little more freedom as a center because you can go everywhere, but it's definitely more skating. But I also like taking face-offs, so me and Furry will sometimes switch off with those, and yeah. I enjoy that part of it. Yeah, it's some, it, it, you, with the rule change last year with the uh, just the warning for, uh, you know, they don't throw guys out of the face-off circle as much anymore. So uh, if you have a situation where, a guy gets tossed out of the face-off circle. If you have two guys who can take face-offs, it, it, it's usually an advantage. It's pretty, pretty obvious. But uh, you know, now they don't. Uh, you don't see guys getting thrown out as much. They're trying to move that game along. I kind of prefer when they throw guys out because one of the old tricks that um, I don't know who <laughs> I learned it from, whether it was my dad or just past players and coaches, is when you're gassed, you go in, line up for a draw, intentionally get kicked out, maybe by yourself an extra 10 seconds just to catch your breath if you're stuck out on icing or something like that. And then the warning is also just a little scary because sometimes they make debatable calls on who the warning should be on. And then I'm, I'm losing majority of the draws after I get a warning just because I'd rather lose a draw than take a penalty. So, right. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a harsh penalty. I haven't seen a lot of penalties. Have you seen a penalty called on that this year? I think we took one this year. Yeah. Um, but I know that as, all, all the centers or all the guys that take draws talk about it and they're like, just lose the draw. Like tell your winger if, if you see him, if he sees you get a warning, just know that you're jumping and you're probably losing it. Yeah. So, wow. Interesting. It's uh, uh you know, I'm sure a lot of it's to move things along faster. Um, I'm sure it's a, a way to tell the linesman to move it along faster. Cause I, I just, uh, I remember years ago, there would just be those linesmen who would just hold the puck and hold the puck and hold the puck. And to the point where the fans are getting antsy about it and, and everything else. And it always seemed like there was a little bit of gamesmanship between uh, some officials and some, and, and the players where, where uh, I think if you go to a game at Wisconsin, uh, they, you know, they'll all chant, drop the puck basically. So because uh, a linesman has been holding it too long. Yeah. It's frustrating. That's the worst. You sit there on, on your toes, just waiting to swipe at it. And sometimes they'll hold it for three swipes and still hasn't dropped. Yeah. What's going on. And yeah, no, it just doesn't seem like they have that opportunity to do that because now they're looking to, to call, a um, cause it's often I mean, it, the, the guy who's, it seems like the guy who's calling the, uh, um, the warning is, is the linesman dropping the puck. It's not right. necessarily the other one who in, in previous, when they throw somebody out, sometimes it was that other linesman right. who was making that call. I think the other linesmen will a lot of times give you a warning if your wingers are too far in the circle. Sure. But for the most part, it's the guy dropping the puck that's calling them. Yeah. Well, that explains a little bit to me too. But, you know, that's one of those rules where I think uh, fans, it's really hard to know exactly what just happened and why it happened. And yeah. uh, I know the players know, the coaches know, everybody down on the ice uh, is paying close attention. But sometimes, you know, when you're just kind of up, you're like, hey, come on, why aren't they why aren't they just playing here? Yeah, it's a small detail. And sometimes it's tough to see who jumps first or you can't mm-hmm. really see from the stands when he pump fakes a drop puck. You know what I mean? So right. sometimes it's tough to see. 
Here we are talking face-offs. Talking face-offs on Maverick Hockey Live today <laughs> with Sam Morton. Um, well, let me, let's talk a little bit about your journey to get here. You're a Colorado native, um, and you've, you know, we, we mentioned that you you started college at, at Union, um, but you, you played junior hockey previously and in between at Wenatchee, is that right, in the Correct. BCHL? So um, I have to ask you, so you would have played uh, for Chris Clark then? Uh, was he... A, Yep. Former Maverick goaltender, former Maverick legend uh, goaltender. Um, I don't know how much you know about his uh, college career, but uh, he he was kind of a cult figure here in Mankato for a long time <laughs> because of uh, some of the stuff he did on the ice. Yeah, I'm. I have seen some videos of some stuff he's done in Wenatchee too. Yeah, so. but uh, <laughs> no, he was an assistant coach my first two years there, and. When I was thinking about going back to juniors and leaving Union, I was talking to Bliss Littler, the head coach, mm-hmm. and I thought I was going back to play for him at the time, but um, I'm not sure exactly what I think he was sick or something happened, and um, Chris Clark ended up stepping in as the head coach, mm-hmm. as an interim head coach, and did a really good job. Like I really enjoyed playing for him. Um, it, it, it was definitely different, a different coach than I played for my first two years, okay. um, just because he had to be the big, the boss figure, right. right? And kind of hold people accountable more than previously. Um, but because I had that relationship with him when he was an assistant coach, um, I felt like we were on pretty good terms just because we already knew each other and sure. had an understanding. Yeah. And uh, just, to, just to let the audience know or, or, or Sam know, and Chris Clark was the goaltender of record in the uh, 2004 come from behind victory over Denver in which the Mavericks were, uh, we're down uh, six to one and uh, no seven to one, excuse me, and came back and won eight to seven. Uh, they made two goalie changes. Uh, Chris Clark was the third string goalie. He had never played in a division one game before he got inserted into the game and uh, the Mavericks mounted this great comeback. That uh, was a 10 win Mavericks team uh, and Denver went on and won the national championship that year. Um, just a crazy weekend of hockey. The night before was a four, four tie. David Backus tied the game up with less than two seconds left, I believe in regulation. And, and then there was this great come from behind game, uh, the next night that's just kind of turned into like a legend and, uh, Chris Clark being a guy who I think the quote in the paper of the story I wrote, he said he didn't even know he was eligible to play because he was the third string goalie. <laughs> he thought I had someone who had to be injured. <laughs> I was surprised he never brought that one up. I'm surprised he didn't either, but, uh, the, kind of the legend was born and, uh, uh, you know, he ended up playing a lot of games, um, you know, over his, over his career here, um, you know, and, and sharing a lot of time with a lot of other goalies, but a good guy and a guy the the community really embraced. And I think he really embraced the community here too. So uh, I'm glad you had the experience uh, playing for him. Yeah, he's a great coach. Yeah. Guy. Um, so talk a little bit how, about you, how you ended up in Mankato. I mean, did you know, uh, you know, you were at Union. You, uh, what I don't know if you can talk about the circumstance of you deciding that it was, t- you needed to go somewhere else. And, and how, how, how did that happen? And how did you end up here? So I played with Lucas Souter. He also um, played on the Wenatchee team with me for the first two years that mm-hmm. we were there. And I remember when he committed to Mankato, I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, and his first, so he stayed for one more year of juniors while I was a freshman at Union. And then during my sophomore year, he was a freshman at Mankato. And I, I'd kept in touch with him. We were really good friends in Wenatchee, and he's my roommate now. Um, but so I had been keeping in touch with him, and he was having a lot of success as a freshman and so I just kind of asked him, like, what's it like playing there? Mm-hmm. Just 
different questions and it sounded very different than the experience that I was having. Okay. And um, it was definitely a place where I was like, oh, this if this is a possibility, like I'd really want to go to Mankato. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went back to Wenatchee, um, uh, Todd Knott reached out to me pretty early on in the uh, in my return to Wenatchee and showed some interest. And it didn't take a whole lot. I came out here and visited and really liked the facilities and mm-hmm. um, the, the staff, the culture, um, the boys. And so it was a pretty easy decision to come here. Sure. And uh, I mean, that's uh, certainly you must be feeling pretty good about the, <laughs> the way yeah. things have gone then. That's one of my best decisions for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking before we went, went on, uh, started recording that uh, uh, you're a junior, but given all the circumstances of when you started and stopped and red shirt year and transfer year and COVID year, I mean, uh, how many, how many years do you have left after this one? Just the one? So I got one more after this. And it's funny you say that. I remember last year. So we have to shoot those videos um, where it's like Sam Morton, Lafayette, Colorado, senior forward. And right mm-hmm. now I think my video still says senior Does forward. Say senior. But if you look at the <laughs> roster, it says I'm a junior. And that was because last year I was asking uh, Luke, our hockey ops guy, I was like, Hey, I don't know what year I am. This is last year. I'm like, am I a sophomore or am I a junior? And he's like, well, I don't think you can put sophomore because you played games at union as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'll put junior. And so naturally this year I was like, I don't think I can say junior again. So I was like, I said senior, I probably should have said junior, but no, when people ask me now, I'll say junior. And I think credits wise, I plan to graduate at the fall of next year. So I'll get a few master's classes done Mm -hmm. um, the spring of 23. Um, but yeah, I guess hockey wise, I'm a junior. Yeah. It's fun. It's just funny. I think in the thick, the COVID year is going to throw everybody off and, and, uh, I never know when I'm writing stories or, or talking, you know, how to refer to, uh, Reggie Lutz and Jack McNeely, yeah. you know, I call them super seniors because fifth years, <laughs> fifth years yeah, grad students, right. uh, they're not grad transfers like some guys. And, right. It's a little um, confusing. Yeah. But, uh, I think nobody really cares when you've got, you guys have won 33 games. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, what was it like growing up in Colorado playing hockey? Is that something you started at a young age and, and, uh, and you know, where, where in Lafayette, Colorado is that? So, where is that? So I grew up in Benicia, California until I was 13. Okay. And that's just in the Bay area. Um, and I actually started playing cause my dad's a hockey junkie and decided to build a, a roller rink just a couple blocks down from my house. And so I initially grew up playing roller hockey as an outdoor rink mm-hmm. and I just, I think I joined a little inline league that my dad put together throughout our community and had some fun with it. Um, my brother also played, so we would just go mess around at nights and just kind of play one-on-one or shoot some pucks. And then when I was six, I joined an ice hockey team, like mites or mini mites or something in, in uh, California. And then by the time I turned 13, just for job reasons, my, my parents decided we were moving to Colorado Okay, and Colorado hockey, I think, is better than California hockey for the most part, just in terms of traveling. Because sure. in, in the Bay Area, there's you can play for the San Jose Sharks, and that's really your only AAA team that's mm-hmm. within driving distance, and that's still an hour from where I lived. And so when I moved to Colorado, I started on a AA team that was just five minutes away from my house. And then when I was 14, joined the Thunderbird team, which is down in Denver, um, and they had a good program. And so that's when I kind of started to think, okay, like maybe I can go play junior somewhere, Mm -hmm. try to pursue playing college hockey. 
Um, so I kind of got away from the roller side of things and uh, committed fully to ice and then uh, played kind of jumped ship around in Colorado. I played for the Thunderbirds and I went and played for their rival, the Rough Riders for a year. And then I went back to the Thunderbirds um, and then got uh, recruited to go play in Wenatchee. Okay. And you played how many years in Wenatchee before going to Union? Played, so when I was 17, I played in Wenatchee, and then I played the following year when I was 18. Okay. And then went went into Union the year after that. Gotcha. Um, you have a few guys on your team who have started off playing roller hockey. Nathan Smith and I were talking about it. I assume Lucas might have done it the same in yep. Florida with uh, yes, both Nathan and Lucas Souter being uh, Florida natives. I know some other players in the past were uh, Matt Leitner, who, you know, all-American player, was uh, played some roller hockey in Southern California where he grew up. Um, obviously, it's it, it's just kind of fun to, to see. Um, but what how do those skills transfer and how do they don't from uh, roller hockey to uh, to ice hockey in your mind? <laughs> roller's fun. <laughs> roller's, roller's hockey without a lot of the hard work that you have to do on the ice. Because um, you don't have to stop and start. You're just kind of turning around. There's no contact. Um, it's just, it's really just a lot of skill. And so I think the biggest thing that translates is just like stick handling ability because mm-hmm. the skating's a little bit different. So it's not like your edges are the same in roller as they are on ice, but you're handling the puck the same way. So I think like stick handling and hands translates the most. And to add on to what, like, I think because hockey's diversified so much, just, I don't know, like for me, it feels like the past 20 years or 15 years, there's been a lot of studs coming out of Florida or California. Absolutely. Um, So I think we're just hearing about it more and people, the more youth programs that are started, the more opportunity that kids get to transfer from roller over to ice. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been a big difference. When's the last time you put on a a pair of inlines and and last summer? Yeah. We'll go. I don't, I haven't played in a roller hockey game per se in a long time, but um, we'll, we'll put our skates on and just either skate around to stay in shape or we had a dog last summer. So we'd skate the dog (laughs) around or, I don't know, just something to do that's active over the summer and kind of engage your hockey muscles. It's kind of, it seems like it could be kind of fun if you guys played a little, little summer tournament or something like I that. I think it'd be super fun. Yeah. We'd do it back home. Like I had some buddies who would play high school in Colorado and we'd try to like, I don't know, have little reunions and just go to the roller rink and mess around for a couple hours. You just don't see it that often. And it almost surprises me in Minnesota that you don't see it in the summers because you know, the, the rinks are so full. There's so many rinks. And they're so full uh, all winter long, and every community talks about wanting more ice, needing more ice. And clearly, you know, there's a lot of summer hockey as well, summer ice hockey. But I'm surprised there aren't, you know, a few more, um, you know, inline, you know, whether they're playing on an outdoor basketball court somewhere or they actually have like a sport court type of uh, setup going on. Uh, I'm almost surprised you just don't see that in this this area just for the same reason. Sure, it makes sense in California, and there are fewer ice rinks, but... But also, you know, summer's here. People are looking to play, yeah. I think. I mean, I, I remember thinking how spoiled people in Minnesota are in Canada because they have the lakes in the winter to skate on. Um, and now I'm more appreciative that I had the roller rinks, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. It's just as much fun. Like, I've played on the lakes a few times, and it's a great experience. But it's pretty much the same thing as playing roller hockey. So <laughs> I'm also surprised that there's not more people on the roller rinks here. Do you get guys asking you about it a little bit too? Like different guy, I mean, different players who didn't grow up with, with the, uh, with the roller side of things and, and wondering about it or curious about it. Not so much that I think it's more the kids from Minnesota are like, have you ever skated on a lake? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's more about the lakes than the roller rinks. Sure. Sure. And I mean, obviously that's pretty unique, uh, here as well. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, just trying to find ways to play and wherever you can. And, uh, even, even people who just play floor hockey or boot hockey or anything like that, it's just, it's, it's, you realize how fun a sport it is just I in agree. different ways. It, yeah. That just brings when it's a social thing mm-hmm. as much as it is competitive, I think that really brings the fun out of it. So, um, you know, get a few minutes left here, uh, you know, just going forward, uh, you, you know, you, you, uh, should say they, the Mavericks play on uh, Saturday night coming up against uh, Northern Michigan in a single game semifinal uh, for the CCHA um, playoffs for the Mason cup playoffs, um, a rematch of last year's semifinal game, which um, I know no one likes to think backwards too much, but I'm sure that's a game that probably um, <laughs> it was not, uh, was not the top moment for you guys uh, losing that game uh, to Northern Michigan. I'm sure that uh, probably sticks in your craw a little bit. Yeah, it's a rematch. I, I think uh, all the returners have a little fire burning under them, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we're definitely thinking about it a little bit because it's our opportunity to kind of make things right from last year in the WCHA tournament. So we're, we're super excited for it. We know they're going to bring their best. Um, mm-hmm. They have some confidence because of what they did last year, and uh, we're, in, we're in similar spots um, going into this game as we were last year. So I think both ways it's going to be a really good hockey game, and whoever's more prepared is – going to come out on top and i think those teams are dangerous right i mean northern michigan who, who's played teams tough they went on the road they won at lake superior state in three games last weekend uh you guys are a lock for the ncaa tournament northern michigan kind of looking at the or excuse me michigan tech uh who finished second they'll host uh, bemidji state in the other semifinal. uh they are uh i don't know if they're a lock for the ncaa tournament but they're in pretty a pretty good spot which makes you know bemidji and northern michigan um, you know, pretty dangerous, I would think, because uh, they have to win the tournament to get in. And just like Lake Superior State did last year, went in uh, in Mankato, the uh, WCHA tournament, which was all here uh, because of COVID. So, I mean, you got to watch out for those teams because they uh, nothing to lose in their minds. It's really hard to end someone's season. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be competitive. Um, they they got everything to lose, right? So, yeah. And it should be fun. I assume uh, you have a big crowd. I know it's spring break right now. The students will probably be maybe filtering back. It's nice that it's a single game on a Saturday night. Uh, people getting back to town. Uh, uh, hopefully they'll be getting back a little early so they can uh, uh, be in the stands and have a pretty good crowd for that playoff game. Yeah, it's all, it's unbelievable playing at home. Um, not not just so much for the boards, but really, <laughs> really for the fans too. They get us going. Um and it's super exciting when you we're doing the opening lineup and it's loud and it's full and everyone's standing up. So it's easier for us to get energy that way. We don't have to build it straight from the bench. We can kind of build off of the, the environment that the building has. All right. Well, Sam Morton, best of luck uh, against the Wildcats next weekend and going forward in the playoffs. Thanks, Jim. Absolutely. And uh, um, I will leave it at that. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Maverick Hockey Live podcast presented by Duncan. That's Sam Morton. I'm Shane Frederick, and we will talk to you next week.